Hello, Alex again here this week with the Pokey TCG cast. Now, it's a very slow time for Pokemon news, as right now, all we have to go off of are maybe a few smaller tournaments, like the one just held in Germany that had about 200 people, and a couple of card reveals that pop up every once in a while. And so, this month is just going to be about as slow as news as it'll get. Much like cooking wild rice. P.S. Wild rice does take a long time to cook, so make sure you prep it well enough in advance. Now, in these slow and not-so-trying times, as you might have guessed by the last couple of weeks' videos, I'm going to be talking about some topics that might make you a better Pokemon player. And so this week we're going to talk about the topic of deck building, something that I alluded to in the last video. Now, deck building is a very advanced technique that takes a lot of time to master on your own. And so there's a lot of things that you can do to help you get up to that level of deck building where you're making your own decks from scratch. But until that point in time, there's a lot of things that you can do to still be a successful player without having to have the absolute best deck building skills. And a couple of techniques that you can do to help you build up those skills is to one, spend a lot of time looking at decks that do well in tournaments to see key cards and how certain archetypes are built and playing a lot of games either with those decks or other decks that you come with and see what cards actually help you win games and which ones aren't as essential to your central game plan and so let's take a look at a couple of each of these methods if you looked at current top placing tournament decks this is a really good way to get better at deck building because it allows you to see common cards that people play and understand what are some of the stronger and why some cards are more valuable than others. Now, there's a couple of things that you need to keep in mind though, so you're not looking at mindless, mindlessly looking at decks and just picking one out at random. And so a couple of things that you can keep in mind while you're looking is which player is playing the list? Who put that list out? And when you're looking at the player, how many games the player has with that deck? And how successful that player has been with the deck? Now, both of these attributes aren't necessarily attributes that have a lot of hard information, and so it takes a little bit of judgment to see how many games the player has. But if you're looking at something, for example... Tord Reklev in his Golisopod Zoroark deck, you can definitely bet that he has a lot of games with that deck under his belt. And there's definitely a number of other Golisopod Zoroark players that you can look at, but it's hard to say whether those players have as many games as him. But you also see that he has had a lot of success with that deck. And so those are kind of the two key factors that you want to look at when you're looking at that deck, and if you can, other decks that players have had. And so, when you're sharing decks across different com 
Pokemon communities, sometimes it is a little bit tricky gauging how successful certain decks are, as sometimes they're new decks that don't have a lot of data backing them, and sometimes you don't know how good the player is that's suggesting the list. And so it's really important to take lists with a grain of salt. But at the same time, a lot of the ways that you can help develop these deck lists that don't have a lot of information behind them is testing them out on your own. Because first things first, when you have, you want to know how a certain deck feels, because sometimes certain decks will be good, but you as a player might not be used to the play style, and so it might be a little bit trickier to pilot those decks. And so, for instance, playing decks like Volcanion might be a little bit trickier for you if you're more used to decks that like to hang on to their resources and carefully plan out their turns, whereas Volcanion really does come down to the luck of the draw in most matches and tries to really play the board aggressively and be as aggressive as possible. Now, judging how successful a player is also does come down to your own personal judgment. And because of this, making sure that you yourself play as many games as possible is probably one of the best ways to help develop deck building skills and, well, just overall game playing skill. As game playing skill, being able to judge how to play a deck can definitely help understand how good a deck might be. Because if you don't play all too well, and so you start to pilot a super complicated deck, you might instantly write that off as a bad deck because you don't know how to pilot it well, as opposed to other people that might be able to and have a lot of success on it. So you definitely want to develop your own game playing skill to be able to help test your deck building skills as well. On top of that, you know, just having better player skill while you're deck testing kind of helps you understand what plays are better, and so it might be the difference between finding that you might need more ends or Cynthia's in your deck, or needing more Sycamores. As if you don't ha necessarily have as much experience and will play Professor Sycamores as much as possible, you might find that your deck is looking for a lot more resources than it actually has available, and so you might try putting more resources into spots that aren't necessary and sometimes detrimental. Now, playing a lot of games and using that as your primary deck testing tool does have a couple of drawbacks, as sometimes you rely on your own subjective self-feedback as to what tools a deck may or may not need, which is a little bit based on how you how good of a player you are, and how you play out your games. Also, sometimes a string of bad tests may sway your opinion significantly on certain cards that are quite necessary for the deck. And a string of good tests might make you think a deck is more consistent than it actually is, and bringing it to a tournament would give you a really bad run. And so both of these can be minimized by just testing even more games, but at the same time, the variance within a deck, it is possible to hit either entirely good strings or bad strings of tests 
within your testing session or within a certain build of a deck. And so it's really important just to know that variance has a large play in how well a deck actually runs. Because it is possible, if your deck doesn't set up 10% of the time, it is possible to hit a really long string of games of that 10% not setting up and think that the deck is really terrible. Because it is a possibility, it's not probable, but it is a possibility that can really skew your insight to the deck. So some of the th big things that significantly help your deck building is being a good player and playing a lot of games with that deck to understand it and playing a lot of games to see how good that deck is. Meaning that playing a lot of games is still one of those important parts to playing a deck. Now, early I advised to looking at decks on the internet or net decking, and certain people will advise against net decking, but I'm definitely a proponent for net decking given that you know how successful the deck is, you know how good the players who created the deck are, and you have an idea of how much players have played the deck. Because one of the big benefits to net decking is the fact that they do have the potential to have a lot more games under the belt than a single person could test on their own. And so if you're looking into a deck that has a lot of players that are able to play that deck, such as Buzzwool Lycanroc at the moment, where a large portion of players are gravitating towards that deck, you'll begin to understand that there are certain tools that make the deck more successful than other versions of the deck, such as versions of the deck that include Brooklet Hill versus those that don't, versions that include Max Elixir versus those that don't. Now granted, those are a couple of more obvious cards that you might come to including earlier in your testing, but at the same time, that's testing that you don't have to go through that people have already figured out. And so when you've got certain archetypes like Buzzle Lycanroc, where during a certain metagame, people will only vary for a few card choices in their lists, it becomes significantly easier testing that deck and deciding on what cards are important and getting a lot more familiarity with the deck as you're testing with something that's a lot more tried and true as opposed to on top of figuring out how it's supposed to function but also deciding on key cards for it. And so, honestly, net decking is a really useful tool because it cuts out a lot of the work for, that you necessarily have to do. Now, again, you also have to keep in mind what variations of deck lists are being posted by players and how sex successful those certain players are. But once you keep those in mind, then you might have a better idea of what good deck lists might be as well. Now, if you're playing a much less tested archetype though, and delving yourself, there's definitely a lot of forums running around with people posting supposed deck lists and not necessarily tried and true deck lists. And so, in these points in time, it's especially important to note 
who exactly is coming up with the idea for the deck because they might have a good base idea for cards to center the deck around but it's also important to note that these people aren't necessarily the best players now this is also kind of a argument that I want to avoid but I did mention in an earlier episode that relying on professional players, quote-unquote, for net decking and for making an argument as having the best deck should be avoided. Because even though these players do have a lot of time in with certain decks and playing the game in general and might have some better insight to the decks, just note that whatever choices that they have should still be taken with a grain of salt. And you should definitely question why they might have certain inclusions that aren't typical for that deck. And also keep in mind the metagame that these decks are framed in, as right now, there's a lot of fighting decks with psychic weakness, and even a number of psychic decks with psychic weakness, where it helps significantly to have tech cards like Mew or Mew EX or Mewtwo. And so because of this, it's keep in mind it's good to keep in mind that some of these tech cards will see a lot more prevalence. And you should keep in mind kind of the long list of tech cards that you should watch out for so it doesn't catch you off guard too much. So hopefully this gives you a good idea of how you should start about your deck building process. Because quite honestly, just looking at decks is probably the best advice that I can give to somebody starting out building their own decks. Just take a look at what currently is going around and then keep in mind some of the newer cards that might be coming out. Again, thank you for watching the Pokey TCG cast this week, and I hope to see you next week.